At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. And good morning, everyone, and welcome to Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel with Jody Mack and John McMullen. Joe Krause sitting in for Jody Mack today. John McMullen is right back to work down in South Philadelphia at the NovaCare Complex. I'll be manning the ship for the next two hours. Uh, And wow, do we have a great lineup uh, of experts for analysis, opinion, Uh, And all kinds of conversation. Of course, John McMullen uh, will kick us off this morning and uh, we'll bring John into the conversation in just a moment. Barrett Brooks will be along uh, at 830. We'll do a deep dive on Fletcher Cox with Barrett Brooks. Mark Farzetta will join us at the top of the hour uh, to begin the second hour of Birds 365. And then wrapping it up, taking us home. Derek Gunn and Rob Ellis uh, will join us. Great show lined up. Johnny Mack, welcome in, my friend. Great to uh, be speaking with you on a Wednesday morning. Yeah, I'm I'm quite the leadoff hitter today. That's a that's a big that's a big lineup. That's a credit to you, Joe Kraus. Yeah, it should be a good show, Johnny Mack. And uh, as as we said in the pre-show, as we were getting ready to come on the air and welcome everybody in. Uh, two birds, three sixty-five. I've got big shoes to fill between Jody Mack and John McMullen. When you put those two shoe sizes together, <clears throat> I've got some good shoes or some big shoes to fill. Uh, but gl- uh, glad to be here. Glad to get started. Uh, and great to be here on a Wednesday, coming off of a win. And I say, and I believe, <clears throat> in the National Football League. I don't care who it is. A win is a win is a win. Let's look ahead to the next opponent. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think you're right. Uh, I, I I don't think, and I say this all the time, it's not college football where there are games you can check on the schedule and say, oh, okay, you know, if I'm an Alabama fan like Xander Krause and uh, an alum, you know Alabama's going to win certain games. In the NFL, 
Uh, anybody can beat anybody. Now, the Lions are as close as as it is to being the worst team in the league. I guess you can argue Houston as well. Um, but even those two, two teams, they were on the, the crux, the lines of beating the Baltimore Ravens, who are a very, very good football team, uh, and needed a 66-yard field goal from Justin Tucker to beat them. Um, they nearly beat uh, Minnesota, which some people believe is uh, in the mix for that uh, number seven seed in the playoffs. Um, so they're not terrible. Um, so they've been in a lot of games. And, and I said, you got to give the credit to the Eagles to go out there on a business trip and handle that business in, in an emphatic way. I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. Um and, and I think it's fair to put the context on it. Just as we did, and, and Jody and I have been doing it from the start of this, the, the front portion of this schedule was really, really difficult for the Eagles. Uh, and the back portion isn't as difficult. And it started with the Lions. Now you have a little bit of a respite. Um, the Chargers are a good team, but they're coming east. Uh, you got to go out to Denver. Um uh, who's an average team, uh, not great. And then you get into the NFC East, which outside of Dallas, the Giants are struggling. The, the, the Washington football team is struggling. So this is the easier portion of the Eagles schedule. And it's not their fault the Lions were the bowling pin on the schedule. All they can do is take advantage of it, and they did. Johnny Mac, before we get into the game uh, on Sunday, um, I do want to get everybody up to speed. Perhaps um, uh, many of the Loyal Birds 365 uh, viewers and watchers who tune into the show on a daily basis. Uh, NFL draft deadline. We talked a little bit about it last night on Football 24-7. The Eagles made one last move, their third move before the draft deadline and we've reached a point in Philadelphia I think where it's open tryouts for cornerbacks uh, as the Eagles made one last move yesterday I don't know if there's any significance to it at all other than they made a trade yeah I I don't know if there's much significance short term I, I I think you're right I mean if you look at cornerback as a whole it's been one of the best positions really uh, for the Eagles uh, in what is essentially the first half of the season. Um, obviously, it's not a sharp cutoff point now that we have 17 games, but through eight games, Darius Slay has played very well. Uh, Steve Nelson has proven to be a very prudent signing, uh, late signing, um, and as, uh, a, as solid as a cornerback, too, as you have in this league, to be honest. That's the way he's been playing. And Avante Maddox is having a career year um, in the best year he can do it because he's in a contract year. So I think from the Eagles' perspective, two things here. One, if you go back to Jonathan Gannon a couple weeks ago saying we're not a dime team right now, um, which he got a lot of criticism for, um, was an indication that he's not confident with the backup corners. Um, and there's a lot of youth and a lot of unproven players. So what Howie Roseman seems to be doing is 
uh, at collecting darts. And mm -hmm. as I always say, the more darts you have, the better chance you have to hit the bullseye. Even if it's just one, you get lucky. And he's got a lot of young corners, and he's brought in a lot of young corners. It started with Mac McCain on waivers. They traded Zach Ertz, and they got back Tate Gallon. And, and now you have another cornerback. You have Josiah Scott. Um, and, and now you have Vincent, Kerry uh, Vincent Jr., who they, they picked up. All very young quarterbacks, corners, most of them rookies. Josiah Scott's in the second year. So, you know, maybe one of them hits. Uh, I, I do think you got to be realistic. And, you know, Steve Nelson is playing well enough to where he can go back on the free agent market next year and probably get a pretty significant contract. Um, that may not be here. You're going to have mm -hmm. to pay Avante Maddox. So you have to have, this is about, this This trade's more about 2022 and moving forward than right now. now Johnny Mack, I wanted to ask you what the method to the madness is right now for this football team. You, you've talked at nausea about, 2021 being the season that this football team is going to make the determination as to whether or not Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of the future. Whether or not that decision's already been made or not, perhaps it is, perhaps it's not. Maybe you have an opinion, maybe you have a thought or an opinion on that part of it. But what is where is this team trying to go? I know where they want to get to. I get that. That's an obvious. But what are they trying to do with this new coaching staff in terms of building a roster that works with the uh, with the beliefs of Nick Sirianni and Jonathan Gannon and throw Shane Steichen into the mix, I guess, because he's the offensive coordinator, or at least he has the title. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think there is, uh, it's always a process and, and they're in the, the midst of the process. You can't, you can't make a significant change uh, like the Eagles did with the coaching staff and, and blowing one coaching staff out and, and bringing a new one in with a couple holdovers, Jeff Stoutland, Aaron Moorhead. But the vast majority uh, are obviously new coaches and have new philosophies and look at things a little bit different than the previous regime. Uh, and you can't, in one off season, in one fell swoop, you can't bring in everybody that the new coaching staff would like or, or um, have players that fit what they want to run. So it's always that that sort of process. The interesting thing to me, the bigger disconnect is from the the front office so Howie Roseman the personnel department and the coaching staff when you're in this sort of transitional period and I use that phrase because that term because <clears throat> Jeffrey Laurie used it um, you know when you're when you're a contender like the Los Angeles Rams and I'll use them because they just picked up Von Miller everybody's on the same page. Everybody understands what the goal is. Everybody understands it's Super Bowl or bust. Everybody's all in. 
everybody's fighting for that same goal. When you're in that transition, rebuilding, whatever you want to call it, phase, in a lot of ways, the coaching staff has a different goal than the personnel in the front office staff. Um, the latter is thinking more about the future, and that's why you have trades like Terry Vincent and you bring in a young corner like Tay Gowan and you start thinking about the future. Um, and the coaches are trying to win on Sunday. They're always trying to win on Sunday or the next game day, if it's Thursday or Monday, for the sticklers out there like Jody McDonald. Uh, it, you, you're always fighting to win that game. And I thought the most interesting statement that Nick Sirianni made after the Lions game was we were doing what was best to win the game. And it was a heavy run um, supported game 46 times on the ground. We talked about it. They only threw it 14 times. So from a larger perspective, you say, okay, what the heck did you learn about Jalen Hurts in that game? Not much. I mean, people say, well, he ran the football. We already knew that. We know that. He can do that. There's no question he can do that. The other stuff is what you're supposed to be trying to learn. Maybe, and maybe that answers your, your question, Krause, a long roundabout way of saying maybe the Eagles have already made their decision. Yeah, and that's my that's my thought, Johnny Mac, in, in, in terms of you know, you kind of already, I think, and maybe not, just just life in general, whether you're the CEO of a company, whether you're the vice president of pharmaceutical sales for Merck or J&J, you kind of know what you have in an employee or in this case a quarterback once you have some sort of a snapshot <clears throat> to evaluate now i don't want to sell jalen short by any stretch but you now do have at least a body of work and if you remove the four games from the 2020 season and just compartmentalize the first eight games of the 2021 season. Is it enough, in your opinion, to know what you have? Um, I, I think it is. I think if you push me, and I've, I've said this for about a week or two, I think the Eagles have understood and made their decision, and their decision is, is going to go in a different direction at that position for 2022, whatever that means. Now, that decision hasn't been made. Um, whether they'll try to go after a veteran corner uh, quarterback or whether they use their significant draft, draft capital um, to uh, draft uh, the next, what they believe is a franchise quarterback. I, I think that's the direction they're headed in. I think it's abundantly clear by the way they're playing. They're just trying to get through this season to win as many football games as possible. Now, this is from the coaching staff's perspective. Um and do whatever they can to win a particular football game on a particular game day by hook or by crook. 
the quarterback's got to run the ball. We got to run it 46 times. If we got to protect the quarterback from throwing the ball, whatever you have to do to win that football game. Now, the front office, again, this is what I bring up. They have a little bit of a different uh, view of things. And from their goal, it's, all right, how do we get that quarterback? How do we get the next guy? And and this is where we get into the, the Sixers nonsense and tanking and things like that. It is easier to get a quarterback and that quarterback. And by the way, it's not just the draft. Again, it's on the trade market as well. It's easier to get a quarterback to hire your draft picks are just, unfortunately you're trying to serve two masters at once. And sometimes you can't do that. Well, we've been down the road of the next great quarterback when, uh, when Carson Wentz was drafted and Carson was going to be, uh, the franchise quarterback, and we were going to dig in and enjoy the ride and have a long, long uh, journey uh, with Carson Wentz. I've, I, I've heard you say it many times only because it happens. You don't have to look past the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to see it. You can change your fortunes quickly with – by bringing in and trading or getting a franchise quarterback like an Aaron Rodgers in Tampa Bay's case, of course, uh, a, a Tom Brady. So if you have draft capital and Aaron Rodgers is there, you know, are you better slinging for Aaron Rodgers or are you better for taking a chance on who you profess to be the next franchise quarterback? Uh, I think in this uh, age of the NFL, um, I think you're better going after the proven uh, guy if you can get him. Um, now, that's, uh, as as you mentioned, Tom Brady being the best example of this. You know, the guy's 44 years old. Aaron Rodgers is in his late 30s. He's still, look at what Green Bay's doing, despite all their issues. Um, you know, Russell Wilson got injured, so Seattle's having a little bit of a down season, but um, the Eagles have loved him since he came out in the draft. Now, the problem is Aaron doesn't want to play here. He wants to be, you know, closer to the West Coast. Um, Russell, uh, remember this offseason, uh, put together a list of cities he would go to um, because he was thinking about moving on from Seattle. Uh, Philadelphia was not on it. So it's got to take two to tango. But if you're asking me which way I would go, yeah, I mean, if you put Aaron Rodgers on this particular team, this team right now, the Philadelphia Eagles, they're seven and one at worst, six and two. That's the difference. That's that's how that's how drastic the difference is. Um, right now, they're a Super Bowl contender. Today, when we talk about all the issues and all the defensive problems and no linebackers. And no depth at cornerback and no depth at running back and all the stuff we've talked about, all the offensive line issues because of injuries and, and shuffling and personal issues. Right now, they are a Super Bowl contender with that one particular player. And that's the difference a superstar quarterback can make. Wow. Based on that, I'm – 
I'm suggesting to Howie Roseman, who's not even go, who, who who doesn't, who's not going to listen. But all that great draft capital that you have, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to make that happen, to me, would seem to be the priority because I don't see a long roadmap to that destination. I just don't see it. I don't see the longevity or the timeline allowing a team to assemble enough pieces to uh, to finally get to the point where you can make that statement and then actually go out and do it, you know, without without a franchise QB. That's well, an obvious, I get it. <laughs> Well, you can't, but I mean, the goal for everybody is to get that franchise QB. The goal, you know, is Patrick Mahomes to get him in the draft and he's young and have him for hopefully 15, 20 years, whatever it is. That That's the best case scenario. It's also uh, much more difficult. Um, you know, generally, if you're going to take a quarterback uh, near the top of the draft, you're going to have a learning curve. So you're pushing your your uh, window back a couple of years to begin with. That's never easy to do in Philadelphia. You see the drastic uh, changes in the fan base from week to week. There's such passion for this team. Uh, When they lose, it's chicken little. The sky is falling. When they win, why can't you do this every week? Why can't you win 44 to 6 every week? Um, There's this almost heart attack EKG. Of, of, and it's tough to be patient in this town. Chicago is the same way. They're going through it with Justin Fields uh, right now. Do you want to go through that pain? Um, the Eagles do, I think. They want to get the quarterback. They thought they had that in Carson Wentz, and unfortunately. And people look at Carson Wentz and they say, well, ultimately he was a failure. And I say, was he? You got you got a Lombardi trophy. You didn't you didn't have one before he got here. And he was a big part of that for people who don't think he was. Without Carson Wentz, you don't have the number one seed. You're not in a position to beat Atlanta. You're not in a position to beat Minnesota to go to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um now, it didn't last nearly as long as people had hoped because of the injuries and all the issues that, that we all know. Uh, but ultimately, you get that Lombardi trophy and you got to say, all right, that's a check mark in the column. Now, how do you get back to that situation? The easiest way is the veteran. Uh, the more difficult way, but the more long-lasting way is if you get it right in the draft. And Kenny Pickett seems to be the guy that NFL scouts are centering on. Uh, the quarterback from Pittsburgh, the Eagles will be in a position, but it's always about evaluation. When they evaluate that particular player, did they like him as much as other people? These are the questions you're going to ask. But the questions, we're having this long conversation about this position. I don't think Jalen Hurts is going to be in that conversation. Now, he might be for 2022, but only as a bridge to 2023. In other words, you're not going to be able to get Aaron Rodgers. It's unlikely you're going to be able to get Russell Wilson. If you don't like 
Kenny Pickett. Maybe you kick the can down the road another year. But I do think the Eagles now look at Jalen Hurts as a bridge quarterback. He is not the future of this team at the quarterback position. Birds 365 with John McMullen and Jody Mack. Joe Krause sitting in here on a Wednesday morning. John, you also have to have the coaching staff that can, or the philosophy that can develop the draft pick, the next great quarterback. The Chargers who were going to play on Sunday have, with their gunslinger, who had a great year one, has ties to the current offensive coordinator on this football team. Now, I don't know how involved Shane Steichen was with Justin Herbert. You know, I don't know how involved he I don't know how involved he is with Jalen Hurts, but the process requires or demands that the coaching staff mold the talent. That's what Andy Reid did with Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I, I mean, there's, uh, you know, I always I always talk about the draft and, and people assuming, okay, you draft a player and you get a finished product. It, it doesn't work that way. And I, you don't even have to go to Patrick Mahomes. You can go back to this city in 1999 and Donovan McNabb. And if yeah. you think about that draft and some of the, the top-tier quarterbacks who never mm-hmm. lived up to their building, uh, billing, you know, whether it was Tim Couch going to Cleveland or um, wherever. I, I think Achilles Smith was in that draft. Um, you, you start to think, well, what if they got to Philadelphia with Andy Reid and vice versa? And Donovan McNabb went to Cleveland. You know, that's a butterfly effect that is significant uh, in each of their careers. Um so, yeah, I mean, you do not get a finished product when you draft any player. Uh, and player development is one of the most important parts, arguably the most important part of the coaching staff. And certainly at the quarterback position, it's even more important. But, yeah, I mean, Shane Steichen had a huge impact on on Justin Herbert. He was the play caller out there. Uh, he you know, um, at, at points, and he was a big part of that quick development for a guy who looks like he's going to be a star in this league. So there's two things. I mean, and 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 Nick Sirianni's already talked about, you know, his time in San Diego with the Chargers and a little bit of Los Angeles and Shane as well. Um, and they all they always talk about. Philip Rivers as a veteran quarterback and just, you know, how gifted he was, how smart he was. Another coach, uh, essentially, uh, on the staff uh, per Shane Steichen. So you get these two dichotomies when you have the quarterback. It's what we were just talking about. If we have like a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers, well, they run the show. That's what you want to get to, man. When you got an extension of the coaching staff on the field, that's that's what you want to get to. 
Uh, but it's really difficult to get to that point, and especially with young quarterbacks. And that's where it's so important that you have to develop them, not only from uh, people talk about the traits, but the other part of it, the <clears throat> mental processing and the mental aspect is far, far bigger. Um, and that's always difficult, obviously, with younger quarterbacks who come in from a new era in college football where they're not asked to do a lot. They're just not. It's a lot of, and you see it with Jalen Hurts. It's a lot of one read and go. So you have a you have a a conundrum as an NFL coach, as an NFL offensive coach, and saying, "Are we going to put together game plans that accentuate what this young quarterback can do right now, and or, or are we going to teach him to be a Tom Brady, a Peyton Manning, a Philip Rivers, an Aaron Rodgers?" The latter takes a long, long time. It's a multi-year process. Birds 365, Johnny Mack checking in uh, from down in South Philadelphia. We'll see Johnny Mack tonight on Football 24-7 as the team goes back to work uh, in preparation uh, for uh, the Chargers game uh, on Sunday. Uh, Johnny Mack, nice to sit in your chair on this side of the aisle. Uh, on this Wednesday morning. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you later on, brother. All right. Thanks, Krause. I appreciate it. All right. Good stuff from Johnny Mack here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We'll take our first commercial break on Birds 365. On the other side of the break, Barrett Brooks. Back in a moment. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. 
Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Wednesday morning on Bird 365 with Jody Mack and John McMullen, Joe Krause, humbly sitting in uh, the big chair for uh, Jody Mack and Tony Mack on this football uh, Wednesday. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And we thank everybody, of course, uh, for tuning in to Bird 365. One thing I wanted to mention uh, um, before John McMullen uh, left this morning and um, – it escaped and I didn't get an opportunity to reference it. Check out John McMullen's latest article posted yesterday um, in Eagles report on Philly Ag. The evolution of Nick Sirianni took off with the Chargers. Great read uh, from John McMullen. He'll connect uh, all of the thought, uh, all of those dots as we lead into the game. Uh, on Sunday. Big B, Barrett Brooks now joining us here uh, on Birds 365. The next half hour gets a little bit easier. I just have to kind of throw the question out there and let the expert uh, lead me down the road. Barrett, thanks for jumping (laughs) on, brother. Appreciate it, man. No problem. No problem. No problem. What's going on, man? Not not too much, man. Hey, I want to touch on it. I want to touch on a tough subject uh, first, um, and, and I touch on it with the respect Um, you know, to the family of the individual um, who was killed in the Henry Ruggs uh, situation and the tragedy uh, that occurred uh, in Las Vegas. Uh, You know, you're a pro football player, Barrett. You're, you know, you're a part of an elite fraternity that very few people will ever enter. So when you see that situation, that tragedy occur, um, you look at it differently, you feel differently uh, about it. I don't know if you're comfortable sharing uh, some of those thoughts. It is a tragedy, and I know we don't know the story, but Henry Ruggs, um, for anybody who may not have saw the story, was involved in a horrible automobile accident. He's going to be charged or was charged uh, with driving under the influence um, which led to a death of an individual, and that's what we know about the story right now. It is is in, it is indeed um, a tragedy on all all sides. Yeah, I, I you know I, I remember back when I first when I was in the league, you know, early in the league in my career, uh, kind of the same thing happened um, with with a player from the Rams. I think his last name was Little or. And, um, you know, it was it was basically the same instance. You know, I mean, if he he left the the, the accident, you know, it, he has he has no other he has no other right to be able to do that just as anybody else does. You know, just because you play football or, or whatever doesn't mean that you can just do what you want to do. It doesn't mean that, you know, you can't influence the same lives the same way, uh, you know, somebody else does, you know, that doesn't play football. Um, you know, you got to be there, 
be responsible for your actions. Um, and, 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 you know, as you go forward, man, you gotta understand uh, someone's life was taken and, you know, the lives of the family members of this, of, of the victim, um, you know, they got to deal with this, you know, he's going to deal with this for the rest of his life. And, and he's going to have to, you know, pay the penalty, pay the cost for, for what happened. You know, if it did happen in an instance that he, he was the one that did it. So, I mean, this is, this is a sad story, not just for, um, you know, for the, for the victim and the victim's family, but it's also sad for him. You know, this, this could ruin his entire life. You know, this is, this is something that's so serious that it goes beyond football, you know, forget talking about, you know, X's and O's and what he does on the field and how, you know, he, um, you know, he plays the game. You know, this is a, this is about somebody's life. You know, somebody's life was taken um, from, from an, an automobile accident. So this, this is, it's not really tough for me to talk about, but it's tough for me to realize that, you know, somebody's life was taken because somebody was under the influence. That's I mean, to me, that's tough. Barrett Brooks joining us here on Birds 365 across really the Jacob is. Media YouTube channel. No doubt about it, uh, Barrett. Well said uh, and well stated. Didn't mean to hit you with that out of the box, but your reaction is, um, you know, is real. Has everybody's reaction has meaning. Your reaction has a little bit more meaning because you've you live in that circle, you, you know. So you look at it and think about it differently. Um, let's yeah, get into they, some. Sometimes they think that you know just. Even some players think just because you play in the NFL means that you have a um, you, you 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 like have a higher calling, and you know as opposed to come with um with with dealing with issues um, that are in the law. But there isn't. You know, we put our pants on the same way everybody else does. You know, I mean, he's an individual just like the victim was an individual, and you know, just because he played football doesn't bar him from you know, any other circumstance that the regular, a regular person has to be accountable for. Good stuff. from as I said to John McMullen last night on football, 24 seven athletes are people who play games for a living. The people right. are important. The games are yep. not. Um, and we'll leave it there on the story of Henry Ruggs as that begins to play out. Barrett, I want to um, thank you for coming on birth 365. I want to talk to you about Fletcher Cox. There was a lot of, conversation yesterday there's been a lot of talk about Fletcher Cox all season but right. yesterday leading into what was the NFL trade deadline is a deal going to be made are the Raiders going to make it make a deal are they going to finally move uh Fletcher Cox and I'm sitting there listening and watching and consuming the information and I'm saying Wait a minute. This is Fletcher Cox. This is the highest paid defensive player on this football team. This is a pro bowler. This is a captain. This is a leader uh, of this defense. And we're looking to move Fletcher Cox. I just didn't understand it. Well, I mean, in all actuality, man, this team is, is in, a, in a state of, all right, are they going to rebuild? Are they going to just retool? And I think that's where we are right now. I, you know, I at the end of the day, I looked at Fletch and, you know, what he provides to this team. Okay, he hasn't had the dynamic, you know, season that we think he should have, considering the fact he is the highest paid player on the team. But, you know, when you look at what he brings to the table as far as leadership and things of that nature, you know, the a lot of those younger guys look up to him. A lot of them guys are playing well because of him, because they've seen what he's done. They see what he does in practice. They see about how he, 
you know, goes about his business. It's a different scheme for him. and He's learning a different scheme just like everybody else is. It's going to take him a little bit to, you know, revert into what, you know, Gannon wants him to do. Um, you look at, you know, look at a guy like Hargrave. Hargrave last year was kind of in the same situation. He was learning how to be a one-gap type of player instead of being a two-gap player like he was with the Steelers. Now he's transferred into being a guy that's jumped the gap, and now he's a guy that can play well in this um, defense. Fletch is trying to learn how he fits in his defense and how he uses his explosiveness as a player. And once he does get it, you know, he's going to be the same guy that he was. But as far as him getting traded, I, I mean, I, I couldn't see him getting traded because it's too much of a dead cap hit if he did. If he get traded, it'd be over $30 million that would be left on the books, you know, even after he leaves. And we, I don't think they want to go through the same situation they just went through with, um, with um, you know, Carson. So, you know, I, I kind of thought he was going to be here anyways. Plus, he's still a good player, regardless of what you see in the first eight games. You know, once he wants to turn it on, and I, I hope that's the case, that he wants to turn – he hasn't turned it on yet. He's a definite force in the middle of that defense. Once he gets, uh, you know, the just on how to play within the scheme work of that defense. You can't just be what you want to be and play how you want to play. Uh, if, if, if you're in a um, system, you know, every cog has its place in, in that machine. So he has to play within what he has to do for that position, that three technique or that one technique. Once he gets it, I think he'll be a dominant player again. Everybody's like, oh, he lost it. Well, even though he's lost something, he's still better than, you know, three quarters of the defensive linemen in the league right now. He's still that dynamic of a player. He could change how, you know, how he's playing right now once he puts his mind to it. Now everybody's like, well, you know, he should put his mind to it. Well, I mean, he should, but at the, at the end of the day, he's going to use this as fuel going forward um, uh, as far as, you know, how he's been playing simply because he feels disrespected now. You know, he feels as though, all right, you want to treat me like that? You're going to see a different Fletcher Cox from this point forward. He's you know not what? going to be mad about it. He's going to be, okay, then I'm going I'm to play pissed off now. And, and and give you what you come to see. So when it when his you know talent is available in the free agent market or in the trade market, he's going to demand a lot more than what uh, he's he uh, demanded right now. You know what, Barrett? I have quoted you many many times uh, since the start of the season, specifically regarding veteran players and how veteran players react or connect with a new coaching staff. And, and and the quote that I've said many times, and maybe call it a paraphrase perhaps, but is in your opinion or in your mind, a veteran player will buy in or follow a coach or a staff if they can make the veteran player better i can go back to you know the draft special and and find an audio clip or a video clip of you stating that and that appears to be so true in this situation i don't know whether or not fletcher has accepted jonathan gannon's system to be one that's going to make Fletcher Cox a better player. Absolutely. You mean you hit it right on the head with that. You know, there's two things that you have to do. You have to keep it 100 with a player. And number two, you got to show a player you can make them better. And at this point, I don't think that they have shown Cox that he's been put, they're putting him in the best position 
to really highlight what he does as a player, put him in a winning position. Now this last game against, um, against Detroit, um, I think it was the defense was called more aggressively. So it did feature guys, you know, to get up the field and, and play at a higher level because, I mean, you know, they knew they were just going to pass the ball. So it wasn't though they had to keep their gap disciplined because they had to pass the ball because they got down so late. So when they, I mean, uh, got down so early. So once Gannon knew that they had to pass the ball, now he can unleash the hounds. He could tell those guys, go, hey, just go pass rush. You know, don't worry about the run. You know, tackle the run on your way to the quarterback. You know, and in that instance, that's exactly what Fletcher Cox, that's exactly what Williams, that's exactly, excuse me, guys like Sweat can do. They can jump in a gap, go, and not worry about being gap disciplined because they're going and rushing the passer. Now, when they get with a balanced team, and they're playing with a balanced team, and 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 you know they're you know the beginning of the game, or the score is really tight. They then have to revert back to the defense that they ran before, which they had to stay gap disciplined because they could run the ball. And the threat of running the ball uh, puts them in a position where they have to stay where they're when you're in that gap, and you have to fill. Now, another thing you know what's going to help Fletcher out is if these linebackers play like they played last week, and the difference being that the style of play from those linebackers they were filling their gaps. But that was T.J. Edwards, and T.J. Edwards, that's what he does. He, he he's he's a traditional linebacker. He's not one of those guys who want to go out there and pass um, uh, pass defense and all that. He wants to come downhill and hit you in the mouth. So that style fits the defense that you know Gannon wants to run. So that's why he started. He comes downhill. He fills his gap, and that makes it better for the defensive lineman because now you can't double team because he's filling his gap. That. Offensive guard or offensive tackle has to come off or center has to come off on him because he's in the gap and it, and it, and it kind of messes up the blocking scheme. And that's why they had so much success in the early part of the game, really, you know, stopping that offense. You know, he played with gap discipline. Once, you know, once, you know, Davion Taylor saw what he was doing, he started doing the same thing. He started filling his gap and it made the defense work. So if you don't have all the same cogs, you know, doing the same thing in this machine, it's not going to work. You know, you're going to get caught and, and and big plays are going to be on you if you don't play within the framework of the defense. But, hey, I, I, I have to admit, Fletcher Cox is a one-gap player that wants to get up and create havoc. This defense isn't that type of defense um, if they're not passing the ball. So, you know, he just has to figure out how he can become a better player within this defense as opposed to the defense being carried around him because it just looks like, you know, Gannon's going to keep doing what he's been doing. And he may revert back to that this week when um, Justin Herbert and the Chargers uh, come into the link on Sunday. One last thing on that, uh, Barrett. Um, And again, I go back in time just to uh, the preseason and training camp uh, leading into the start of the season. And when it was all finally over, and training camp was done, it appeared to me that the strongest part of this football team was the front four of the defense. That's what that's what appeared to be coming coming out of camp. Uh, go and, and then, of course, the big uglies, the offensive line. The, those were the two. Uh, I don't know. Call them foundational the pieces team. for your for your twenty twenty one season. Absolutely. That's where that's where that's where this team has their best players in the trenches. And, you know, once you get back to making sure you can highlight them, you know, you become a better team. Excuse me. You become a better team offensively. 
if you look at what they're going to do best, you have big road grading offensive linemen. Hell, your left tackle is six foot eight, 385 pounds. Your left guard, six foot six, 360 pounds. Then you have Kelsey. Then you look on the other side. You got now you have Nate Herbig, six foot four, six foot five, 340, 350 pounds. Why not use their strength? Their strength is their big, big bodied guys that like to come off the ball, hit guys in the mouth, and run block. They're better at run blocking than anything else. So give them an opportunity to do that. I mean, I can see you can pass. You know, you're going to have to pass sometimes. But, you know, if you can afford to run the ball and run the ball successfully, there are a few teams that are built and that are big enough to stop them from, from getting double teamed and getting road grade. You know, you got to put your guys in a better position. And, and this offensive line is a better run blocking offensive line than pass blocking. They can and they do have the ability to. But why put them in that bad position? You know, you look at the, the Raiders game. They left their tackles out there, you know, high and dry. You know, if you'd have ran the ball a little bit and let those guys lean on those smaller defensive ends, now the laws of faces go in your favor. You know, you got an immovable object, you know, going up and blasting a guy, you know, that's smaller than he is, run blocking them. After a while, it takes a toll. And if you look at the Detroit game in the second half, it took a toll on that defense because there's nothing they could do to stop it. And that demoralizes the defense when you can't stop the run. They know what's coming. They can't stop it. You know, it just puts you in a better position. It gets your mindset of your offensive line like, all right, we're dominators. We can do what we want to do. We can call what we want to call. We can come off the ball and hit you in the mouth. You want to get them to have that type of psyche. You know, that, all right, coach, I know we're going to run the ball. That's why you heard guys coming to the sideline. Coach, we got them going. They're running now. Let's, let's continue to run the ball. and We can have some success. And once they did that, the game just fell apart. You know, I mean, Detroit didn't have anything else. There's nothing they could combat it. And, it, you know, it, and that's why you got the results that you got, because you allowed that offensive line to play within what they want to do as opposed to, you know, having the defense dictate. And that's one thing about this this coaching staff that I don't like. I don't like that they, they, they allow the defense to dictate or the opponent to dictate what they're doing as opposed to they set the, the precedence and they dictate the tempo. You know, that's the difference between, you know, Belichick and, you know, guys like that. They dictate what they want to do. If they got a better running team, they're going to run the ball regardless of what, what the circumstances are. Big Red, he wants to pass the ball. He understands that, you know, running the ball, he has more success, but he want to get the ball in his playmaker's hands. And that's what you have to do. Your best player at the time before um, Miles Sanders got out of, you know, and, and was put on IR, he was, you know, a great running back. We never used, we never showcased his talents which, you know, was mind-blowing to me. You know, he's the one of the better weapons you have on the, on the field. If it had got him going, we'd have a different uh, record right now. But we didn't. You know, we didn't highlight what we do best, and that's running the balls. Whether they want to admit it or not, that's what this run, this um, offensive line is, a run-blocking offensive line. Well, the fault of that definitely falls on the doorstep of Nick Sirianni. Right, he's, he's calling, calling the, plays. the play. Yep, he's calling. He he's calling the plays, uh, and I agree. And, and I know John McMullen will argue that the modern NFL requires uh, you to throw the football, and when you face a Tom Brady or uh, you face um, uh, even Justin Herbert, who's a gunslinger, 
if you can't play from the lead and you have to play catch up, you have to abandon the run. And, and, and I don't necessarily agree with moving away from your strength. I, uh, you know, well, again, yeah. if, that, if that's your strength, stay with your strength, Be, get creative Crazy. with the other pieces, but stay with your strength. Crosby, but see, that's 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 where the problem lies. You know, you look at the guys you just talked about. You look at Herbert. When you talk about Herbert, um, Eckler is the is is the cog that makes that machine roll. You know, his ability to run between the tackles, his ability to go out there and catch on third downs is why that offense is running as smooth as it is. Defensive coordinators are trying to stop the run, stop him from being highlighted, and that's how you stop that offense. If you can stop. Eckler from being a dynamic running back, then that offense is pretty predictable because they're going to try to go to two guys. So, you know, if you you, you got to stop the run first and then you worry about Herbert and his arm. You look at um, you look at what, what what's going on in Tampa Bay. Brady will tell you all the time, look what he did to us. They ran the ball. And once they ran the ball, then you can go with play action. Yes, you have the best quarterback in the league, but their offense runs from the running game. You know, then it goes to the passing game. Because you can't you can't ask offensive linemen to 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 pass block 50, 60 times a game and not think that you don't have sacks and he's gonna be beat up and he's gonna get hit. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't want to get hit, so he wants to establish the run first. That way he can push the ball down the field to his big play threats. This you know, that's the that's the dirty little secret in the league that nobody wants to talk about. The teams that are good are the teams that run the ball all consistently. All of them run the ball consistently. That's why Kansas City is having such a hard time with the offense. They're not running the ball. Once uh, what's Ed, Edward Allaire, once he left out the team, teams don't respect the run anymore. Now there's pinning their ears back and rushing the passer. That's why the the um pay, the um you know you have your you know your one of the best quarterbacks in the league having all these you know interceptions and, and the offense is, is stuttering simply because they don't have a running game to fall back on. You got to have a running game. You have to. It's a must in this league. Say what you want to say to try to act like it's not. Look at the Cardinals. They have to run the ball to set up the pass. That's what it's about, man. If you can run the ball, that's going to give you success on the offensive side of the ball because you don't want to be one-dimensional because defensive coordinators can stop one-dimensional teams. When you have to make them play the run and the pass, that's when you have success against the best defenses. Even in the modern NFL, yep, old school football, there's a place for old school football, Barry. That to. should that should never leave or can never leave this game. Yeah, look at Wilson. Wilson, he'll be brought back within the next two weeks. You know, either this week or next week. Uh, they took the screw out of his, his hand, but um. He had the most success when he had Carson when he when he could when he can run the ball with his running backs. You know that's when he had success. You can't go with an offense that's going to pass all the time. The air carrier days are are over. You can't do it. I mean, it just doesn't happen. You have to have a a, a steady running game to give you a steady dose of the run in order to be successful. And, that, and that's what it is. You know, it if you look at all the best teams right now with the best records, look at even Dallas. Dallas can run the ball, which opens up the pass. I mean, it's like I said, it's the dirty little secret in the league. You know, nobody wants to talk about, but running the ball is where you get your success from. No doubt about it. Take 15 pounds off of Zeke Elliott. Yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he looks a hell of a lot faster than he yes. did uh, than he did uh, did a year ago. By the way, Anthony Pollard, one-two punch. Uh, and you're right, spot on, exclamation point uh, on your reference 
uh, to it. Uh, don't forget Barrett Brooks coming up 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. <clears throat> right here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Get caught in the middle with Aton Shander, Barrett Brooks, uh, and Harry Mays Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Uh, to 1 p.m. Last thing for Barrett Brooks before um, we let you go, and we thank you, Barrett, for jumping on Birds 365 uh, this morning. Um, There is talk amongst the fan base that we're going to make the playoffs. We got a shot (laughs) to make the playoffs. Now, I don't know if we really want to make the playoffs, meaning we, I mean the fan base, but let's face it. Everybody knew coming into this season that the tougher lift was really going to be in that first six games, that first six or seven games. And then the backside of the schedule, which is playing out uh, with the Washington football team, with the Giants being so bad, the Jets on the schedule, there's enough W's, potential W's on the backside of the schedule to say, hey, just maybe we put a little bit of a run together. Now you got to get past the Chargers, uh, and the Saints are looming out there as well. Um, but other than that, what's your thoughts? Do we have a legitimate chance to get into the playoffs? And does Jeff uh, and does Howie Roseman want us to get into the playoffs? Well, of course, Howie wants us to get into the playoffs because he wants to say, "Look, look, this is the roster I put together. I told you so. Mm-hmm. You know, I told you I knew what I was doing. You know, so that's like a double edged sword when it comes to, to to Howie because number one. You know, he wants to say, I told you, show, because that's the, r- the roster he put together. But it's also, well, I don't know if I really want to win because, you know, right now we're still in the top 10 as far as um, draft picks. You know, we're still in that top 10 players, you know. So it's like, um, you know, we're, we're I think we're 11 right now. And, uh, you know, I mean, a top 10 pick is a lot better than, a, you know, make it to the playoffs and only have a top, you know, 15 or 17, you know, pick. So, you know, if you look at it that way, it's a double-edged sword. But in all actuality, the way the NFL is and the parity that's going on in the NFL with free agency and ability, you know, to trade, you know, there's a lot more they traded back when I was playing. It gives you an opportunity. It gives you a shot. And our division is just so bad. And not just, you know, not just, you know, the players within the division, but, you know, at the NFC period that everybody kind of, you know, you have your elite team, they're going to win a lot of games. But then after that, it's kind of even, you know, everybody's records around the same way, you know, one or two losses separate, you know, everybody in the NFL. So you do have a a shot, you have an opportunity. And this is a learning process for this coaching staff, learning process for these players. They're learning this coach. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, he talks, you know, he's not the best guy as far as, you know, motivation in talking to us as the, as the media. But what he's doing in that locker room is, is working. Those guys are still believing in what he does. Players are still playing for him, as you know, as you see, you know, with the win against Detroit and, you know, what guys like Kelsey are saying. They still have an opportunity, a legit opportunity. They just lost to the teams that they were supposed to lose to, you know, in a nutshell. They lost them in pretty bad fashion, and the style points weren't there in, in the losses to these teams. But they lost the teams they should have lost to that we thought they were going to lose to. Now we're going to the, you know, area of the schedule where these are the teams we should win and they beat the teams they should win. And they, you know, and, and as they go forward, they should beat these teams that they, you know, that they're predicting to win. You know, they're a lot, they have a lot better roster than a lot of these teams, you know, that they have a better quarterback than Daniel Jones, you know? So, you know, I think they have a better team than, 
than the Giants, especially with all the injuries they have. So they should beat them twice. You look at the Washington football team. They have a better quarterback than their quarterback there. I mean, he's playing, you know, at a higher level. So, yes, you know, we should beat those guys twice. Dallas will be a problem. Um, you know, Herbert, you know, he in, the, in the Chargers, they're a good team. But I think they're a very beatable team. And if mm-hmm. they come in with the same mindset that they did before, they have a legit opportunity. This is all about the opportunity to go out there and play these games, man. And, and, and you know, it's a lot of football left. And I think that's the mindset this team is having. It's a lot of football left. We have a lot of improvement to do. But, hey, we're not bad as people think we are. Baron, I'll leave you with this. John McMullen said 15 or 20 minutes ago, whenever it was, check the tape, as they say. If Aaron <laughs> Rodgers if Aaron Rodgers was on this football team as the starting quarterback, right now the Eagles are 7-1 and one and a Super Bowl contender. Absolutely. Absolutely. You I mean, that's, that's it in a nutshell. You know, we're they're 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 actually a player away, but you also got to look at this man. It, you know, it's, it's it's the same thing make mm-hmm. you laugh, also can make you cry. Yeah. You know, do you want to be? Do you want to? You know, really go ahead and and and, and handicap yourself by going out and getting a, a guy and you can't sign anybody else. That's you know that's that's the nature of you know being in the NFL. You get your get your your your, your starting quarterback, your franchise quarterback. You got to pay him, which means you got to you know lessen other places in this team, you know, in, 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 the, in the capacity of, all right, you won't get as good of players there, but Hey, if you got a player like that, he can make you a great team, you know? So, I mean, it's, they have a lot of work to do, but Hey, they're right where they need to be right now. They can get it done. And if they, you know, go about things the right way and running the ball and uh, this defense starts stopping a run, they very, they, they could very well, making it to the playoffs. They're pretty good. Good stuff from Barrett Brooks here on Birds 365. Again, get caught in the middle with Aton Shander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Mays coming up here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Good stuff, Barrett Brooks. Thank you, brother, for jumping on, man. Appreciate you. All right. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Yeah. Uh, good stuff from Double B. Barrett Brooks joining us here on Birds 365. We roll on here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We'll stop for a commercial break on the other uh, side of the break. Mark Farzetta will join us. And then a little bit later on, D Gun and Rob Ellis. Back in a moment. <laughs>
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Mesa and Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Berks 365 on a Wednesday morning. With Jody Mack and John McMullen, Joe Krause sitting in the chair. Thanks a million for joining us here uh, on a Wednesday. I don't, I don't often get a chance to go prime time on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Uh, but when I do, I like to bring out the heavy hitters. Mark Farzetta uh, will join us now to kick off hour number two uh, here on Birds 365. Farzy, appreciate you, man. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on, John. I've never seen your setup before. Are you running for office or something? Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think I I think I voted for you yesterday, actually. That's one hell of a setup. Also, thanks for having me on after Barrett. So uh, I can tell your audience everything that guy just said was complete BS. So now hear this. So we'll, we'll get into the Eagles conversation. There you We're go. going to get into all of that. Mark Farzad, of course, the Farzy Show, Monday through uh, Friday, plus the live postgame show. Uh, with Mark Farzetta, Derek Gunn, and Devin Caney uh, following every Eagles game here uh, on the Jacob Media Network and on 6abc.com. Uh, Farzi, let's uh, begin with, let's start with the end of the NFL trade deadline yesterday and go a little bit below the surface on that. And then we'll get into and start to talk about Nick Sirianni and the Chargers game coming up on Sunday. Mm. What is the method to the madness right now with this football team, meaning Howie Roseman in terms of 
building around a coaching staff that may or may not be your coaching staff that's going to lead you into the next generation of football here in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, Nick Sirianni is, uh, I can't call him an empty suit, uh, but uh, I guess he's an empty fleece or or, uh, empty uh, golf shirt, I don't know, uh, empty hoodie. Uh, he's a guy that will allow the ownership, allow Howie Roseman to do exactly what they want to do without a lot of pushback. And I don't say that as a slight to Nick Sirianni, although I know it's extremely disrespectful to say that about anybody. I got to call it as I see it. He's a guy that allows Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman to do whatever they want. And while they go through this transition that we all really know is a rebuild, why not, in their mind, have a coach in there who's not going to go out there and be the next Vince Lombardi. I mean, he's not even going to be the next Doug Peterson for this team. He is just a guy that's going to go out there and be able to run the ship as they see fit. He's an up-and-comer, so maybe they discover something. Maybe he develops into some really good head coach. I personally don't see it, but maybe they take a flyer on him right now. As long as he allows them to do whatever it is that they want to do in the front office, they're fine with it because the mindset, as you said, isn't really even about winning games this football season. This mindset this year is about transitioning it's all about retooling it's about rebuilding and really their their end goal is to be in the best possible position they could be in not at the end of this regular season in early january but when the draft comes around in april of 2022 they want to be in the best possible position there to rebuild for the future so really this season to me it feels like 20 preseason games where the eagles are auditioning uh, jalen hurts they're auditioning Uh, Nick Sirianni, they're auditioning Jonathan Gannon, and they're seeing what they get at the end of the year. But as long as they get those first three uh, three first-round draft picks, they'll be hunky-dory, which is why I was surprised at the uh, trade deadline yesterday. They didn't at least move Andre Dillard for the chance to get even maybe a day-two pick for the upcoming draft. So that was a little surprising. But bottom line, the number one thing in their mindset, the number one thing on their list is the draft in April. It's not even this regular season. You know, I've read this story before with Carson Wentz. Um, he was going to be <clears throat> the franchise quarterback. Uh, and I'm a big Carson Wentz fan, by the way. I still have the Pro Bowl East blue Carson Wentz jersey that I refuse to <laughs> that I refuse to give away. But Carson was going to be <clears throat> that franchise quarterback that was going to be with this team. It was going to be a 10-year, 12-year run, whatever it is, whatever you get out of a franchise quarterback uh, these days. And, of course, that didn't pan out. And now we find ourselves, or the team rather, evaluating what Jalen Hurts is or is not only to get to a position of uncertainty again um, if we decide to use that draft capital to pick pick it or somebody else coming out in the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the, the goal as well. I mean, I, the thing that really stinks if you're Jalen Hurts is that this isn't – I mean, hey, look, life's all about results. I know they say that they're mm-hmm. not a results-oriented team, and I get that. However, if you're Jalen Hurts, you want to at least know that you have a pretty decent chance, even if you're not an MVP of the league, a pretty decent chance to be the starting quarterback of the Eagles next year. But here's what Jalen Hurts is competing against. It's not just who's on the schedule. Uh, It's not just making sure that his receivers catch balls and all that stuff for him. But really what he's competing against is three first-round picks and all the draft capital, 11 picks right now at at this time uh, for uh, for the upcoming uh, April draft. 
So what they're trying to do right now is, or what Jalen Hurts has to look at, is those three first-round picks and either bringing in a quarterback in that draft or using that capital, or God forbid I say assets, to bring in Aaron Rodgers in the offseason, bring in Russell Wilson in the offseason, bring in any other quarterback, maybe even Deshaun Watson if nothing gets worked out with Miami. Maybe he holds it against Miami for not uh, ultimately deciding to trade for him at the deadline by 4 p.m. yesterday. But that's uh, basically they have a blank check to do whatever they want. And that is what Jalen Hurts is competing against. It's not just a, a trying to prove that you could be an NFL quarterback. It's proving that you could be an NFL quarterback, like you said, for the next 10 to 15 years as a franchise guy for the Eagles. You know, John McMullen said earlier today in our opening half hour here of Birds 365, um, and you can check the tape, uh, John McMullen said, uh, if Aaron Rodgers were starting for the Philadelphia Eagles right now, this team is seven and one and they're a Super Bowl contender. <laughs> yeah. And I think that gets proven considering they were down, what, three wide receivers going up against the undefeated Cardinals on the road and they were still, still able to win that game. So, yeah, I he kind of proved that theory. And I think John's right on point with that. I mean, a quarterback in the NFL, people, I always find it funny that this quarterback coddling that's emerged over the last couple of years. And it really started with Carson Wentz. And I'm not just talking about with the franchise. I'm also talking about with some fans where you can make a totally legitimate point. Like, Hey, Jalen Hurts should have made that throw. Um, uh, he, he shouldn't have thrown behind Devontae Smith like he did against the Raiders. Oh, what are we talking about? Dude? It's, it's not on Devontae. It's not on Jalen Hurts. How could you say that on the quarterback? He's going to miss throws. Yeah, I get that. Um, but I know what he's competing against. As I just illustrated for you in my previous answer, talking about all the draft picks that you have and all the capital you have. That's what he's up against. So the Eagles are watching this closely, more closely than probably they ever have before in terms of that's how short a leash a guy like Jalen Hurts is, uh, is is on right now. So when I watch him play or I watch this team just, just go at it, you got to look at a quarterback that can come in here and mask a lot of the problems. Be that deodorant that you need him to be. Carson Wentz was exactly that in the last five games of the 2019 season. That's what pushed them into the playoffs. Sure, they didn't have a tough schedule, but he's still the guy that put them over the top by the way he played in those final five games. The following season, he was not that deodorant. He was part of the problem. And if you're a quarterback, no matter how much everybody around you is struggling, you have to be the guy that's a consistent competitor. Your offensive line is struggling. So what? You just signed, what, a $160 million deal? Go out there and get the job done. Find shorter routes. Find shorter passes. Make sure you're working with your coach, not against him, to make sure your scheme against these defenses better. Be that deodorant. Be the cure-all. And, and right now, uh, the Eagles don't have that guy on this roster. You bring in a guy like Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, you can be that cure-all. As long as you're not part of the problem, you're only helping towards the solution, you can be a franchise quarterback and really mask a lot of errors on a team. You know, I I mentioned the live post-game show, uh, Farzi. You get a chance to immediately react as soon as the game ends. So you've got a nice body of work um, evaluating this team eight games into what is now a 17-game uh, season. So in theory, we're at the, we're, we're at the midway point mm -hmm. uh, for this football team. What do you see? What do you see from the head coach? What do you see from this three and five football team? 
I mean, I still see a coach that's that's in over his head, and I, I don't fault him. I have, I have never been at a point this early with a head coach, even with Doug Peterson. People say, "Oh, people rip Doug Peterson." <laughs> I I really didn't. I I liked Doug Peterson from the start. I actually, before he was hired, before he was even rumored, I said Eagles should probably give a look at Doug Peterson. I also like Sean McDermott a lot. That would have been a nice guy to come <clears> here <throat> as well. A nice guy to have as your head coach. He's doing a good job in Buffalo. Didn't win a Super Bowl yet, but he's still a pretty damn good head coach. Uh, but when it comes to Nick Sirianni, I still see a guy that's in over his head. Uh, I'm glad that he did exactly what he was supposed to do against the Lions. Uh, I'm glad that he beat the Lions worse, uh, better than any team beat the Lions this year. And there's obviously every team has beat the Lions this year that they've played. But he beat them better than the, the, the Packers did. He beat them better than the Ravens did. So that's all. That's great. Even better than uh, San Francisco, who at the start of the season looked like they could actually do something this year. But you, you look at what Nick Sirianni has done. Nothing has really jumped out to me to overly impress me. He doesn't seem to have a great command of the locker room. And when I see him in the locker room with his speeches, I just don't get it. I know people made a lot of um, – uh, there was a lot to, uh, to do about Jason Kelsey breaking down the locker room speech after the Lions win with the you know, roots on three. And I th- I really feel – and I ran it by my, my, my good friend Hugh Douglas, who I have on the show every Tuesday, and he got the same vibe I did, where he wasn't necessarily breaking them, you know what I'm saying, with the coach. He was more or less doing something in jest. There was a little tongue-in-cheek there. And you heard the guys laughing. It was it was odd to me. And when I read the quote, I thought, hey, that's great. He really is being taken in by this locker room. They're really supporting their head coach. And then I watched the video, and I thought, eh, maybe not as much as some people might be leading on. But I, I just think he's in over his head. Uh, I'm eager to see what they do against the Chargers. Look, the Lions had, uh, I believe, the second-worst run defense in the league, so they ran the ball on them, and it worked. The Chargers have the worst run defense in the league, so they better run the ball against it because guess what? It's going to work. So I want to see that happen again. Beat teams that you should beat. This is a winnable game against the Chargers. Eagles have it at home. Uh, I know they're not exactly favored in this one, but uh, the Chargers are coming into town with a defense that the Eagles should be able to exploit. Jalen Hurts so far hasn't gone out and just – taking the reins as the, oh, this is definitely the guy that you have to have back. L- press conferences, what he's got going on between the ears, confidence, he's everything you want in a franchise quarterback. The other part, the part that matters the most, what happens on the football field, I don't think he has earned the right to be the franchise guy going forward. I still think, I started the season with the mindset of, he's Mr. Right now, he's not Mr. Right. I still think he's in that same category he hasn't, been leaps and bounds better than I expected this year. And that's what he needed to be to even think about next year. I mean, you can even talk about the Eagles going in the tank the rest of the season. Next thing you know, Gardner Minshew is getting reps for the last couple of games of the season. I mean, that could very well happen. Uh, so Jalen Hurts hasn't overly impressed me. He's impressed me more than Nick Sirianni has impressed me. Jonathan Gannon's defense, same thing. You saw the adjustments in this game. You saw them get aggressive. You can be aggressive as well against Justin Herbert, try to force him into some mistakes. I want to see that from him. But really, this just looks like a... An, an era of Eagles football that I think we all have to like grit our teeth, push through before the next head head coach comes in here. Possibly the next front office comes in here, and that's where this team can really start thinking about getting back to a Super Bowl championship. Who man, sounds like a long road in front of us. Mark Farzetta joining us here on Birds Three Sixty Five with Jody Mack and Johnny Mack in for Jody Mack. Uh, Joe Krause manning the chair with Mark Farzetta. You can follow Mark at, at Mark Farzetta on Twitter. So don't forget to do that. Certainly uh, a good follow. I'm curious, Mark, um, as to your evaluation of Nick Sirianni to me 
sounds like you have zero confidence. Oh, did I lay it on pretty thick? <laughs> in his ability to win games that fall on the coach. In other words, he gets caught up in a in in in, in uh, Herbert slinging the football around the link on Sunday, and all of a sudden, head coach Nick Sirianni is bailing on his game plan too quickly. Your thoughts about him and and his ability to be able to coach on the fly, it doesn't sound as though you feel as though that to be one of his strengths. No. Uh, and really, when you talk about game plan, I really look at what the team does in the first quarter and a little bit of the first half because first quarter is your game plan. Second second quarter, you're making adjustments. Second half, you're certainly making adjustments. And anytime you see in any game, you get that caught up in what another offense can do, instead of just taking what you do well and throwing it in their face mm -hmm. and saying, hey, deal with this, you try to match energy with that team. Oh, they they just scored a touchdown passing, so I got to come right back and score a touchdown passing. And that's what we saw probably most notably in the Cowboys game earlier in this season in prime time. So I think the Eagles have to have that same type of uh, same type of mindset uh, or the similar mindset to other teams where they say, no, we're still going to do what we do best, and then we're going to throw that back in your face. Stick with what you game planned with because, look, you ultimately made a decision based on a lot of work. All right, don't just throw that out the window because, oh, no, we're down seven points. We're down 14 points. We really got to catch up if it's the first or second quarter. Second half of the game, yeah, that's when you got to start to play. Hurry up. That's when you got to start to play like your hair's on fire. You got to go out there and actually make some big plays. But if you stay within yourself and stay with what, what you actually game plan, then you could actually have some success. It's when you see some, some things that go in there that – uh, a perfect example, I think, is the, the deep ball uh, to Devontae Smith or Jalen Rager or even Quez Watkins. You know that has worked for you, yet you rarely see it. You really haven't even seen one since uh, you had a big play to Quez Watkins and he got a lot of yards after catch. But you really haven't seen a deep ball thrown like 50 yards down the field to a Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, or even, uh, even Jalen Rager where they were running down the sideline. You haven't seen that since Devontae Smith was out of bounds and came back in and caught a touchdown. The week prior, Jalen Rager did the same thing. Where's the opportunity for those guys to try to show that they can correct that mistake with a downfield play like that? If you can use that, you're able to suck the defense in by running the ball and running a play action, then take it uh, down the field. Where's that opportunity? It's presenting itself in these games. You watch the All-22. You see it a couple of times. Exploit it. I'd love to see that. If you do get in any type of shootout by the third quarter with the with the Chargers, dial that up again. Give these guys an opportunity to show that they can learn from their mistake and actually flourish with it. Of course, the the fear from the fan base going into the uh, game on Sunday, Mark, is that uh, defensive coordinator Jonathan Gannon will revert back to the pre-Lions game defense where – He's going to sit everybody back. He's going to play soft. He's going to play cover two. Um, and Herbert's going to pick him apart because he well, can sling the ball a little bit better than Jared Goff, uh, <laughs> for sure. Definitely. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, Jonathan Gannon has this reputation for never blitzing, and that's a, a bit of a hot take that people have just started to run with there. Uh, that's not the truth. That's not true. I've seen him run a safety blitz before. I've seen him run a linebacker blitz before. It's very few and far between, but he does it. This was definitely the game against the Lions where I believe you saw two safety blitzes, three linebacker blitzes, and at least two of the linebacker blitzes 
really worked. I mean, one of them worked to the point of a safety. The other worked to the point of a hurry-up. Alex Singleton, who's not the biggest guy in the world, right, but he leads the team in tackles, he was charged in the line of scrimmage. He at least took up a body to free up somebody else for, I believe it was Derek Barnett, to get around on the other side to get a sack on that play. You can do that to just try to take up a body at the line of scrimmage. That's what blitzing is all about. Hat on a hat or one more hat than they have on the offense, or excuse me, on the uh, line of scrimmage. So give that an opportunity. Be aggressive. I, I A defense should not be sitting back waiting for the offense to make a mistake. That should not be a defense. A defense should be a defense that actually causes mistakes to happen. You can't just sit back and hope for every, every drive to be 10 to 15 plays where their offense is either going to fumble the football or they're going to throw an interception, turn it over, whatever it might be, or just not be able to, to run a play to, to gain a lot of yards finally and then you hold them to a field goal. A defense should actually cause mistakes. And that's what you did against the Lions with Jared Goff. You caused mistakes to the tune of six sacks and a fumble return for a touchdown. Like, I, that's what I want to see. You, you're not going to have as much success doing it against other teams because obviously the Lions are terrible. But you can have some success doing it against the Chargers. You can have some success doing it against every team in the NFL by trying to force them into mistakes. That, that doesn't mean be overly aggressive. That just means put your defense in a position to actually make a play as opposed to just allowing a play to come to you, force it to happen. You know, there was uh, there was a, a lot of conversation, Mark, yesterday, right before you got to 4 o'clock and, and what was the official end of the NFL trade deadline, you know, about Fletcher Cox, you know, being traded. He was going to be moved. Um, teams were, the Raiders were interested. Teams were interested. They ultimately, as we know, um, didn't make that trade, but I don't feel as though Fletcher, maybe he is today, but I don't feel as though Fletcher is happy with the defense. And I think we saw that, mm -hmm. uh, following the, uh, not the Detroit game, but following the game uh, before the before the Detroit game, which was the Raiders, um, where Fletcher spoke out. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think he's happy here. I mean, I think that goes without saying. I don't think he's happy with Jonathan Gannon's defense. I think that holds him back a lot. I think Fletcher Cox is also up there in age. I think he's got a lot of mileage on him as well for, what, 32 years old. Uh, apparently, he doesn't play screens, even though he did play a screen rather well against the Lions. He actually made a play. I guess he was an intern on that play. They didn't have to pay him for it. Uh, but uh, I, I was here's what surprised me. It surprised me that Fletcher Cox I, – I, it doesn't surprise me that Fletcher Cox that they were getting calls on him in the front office because a good player, trade deadline, Eagles don't look so good. So, of course, they're going to get calls. What surprised me was on trade deadline day, on Tuesday, yesterday, prior to 4 p.m., like you said, the reports started to come out that the Eagles were aggressively shopping Fletcher Cox. And I thought, oh, that's, that's interesting. Did you just restructure his contract? What's the cap hit on that? So you're already taking a cap hit with Carson Wentz. Now you're going to take another huge cap hit with Fletcher Cox. That doesn't make any damn sense. So uh, that's just, I guess, Howie trying to get something out there where you're maybe just going to move on from a guy who's not really disrupting things the way he did on the field, but certainly disrupting them in the locker room. Maybe that was a little bit of a panic move by Howie to try to get something done, but he ended up not pulling the trigger, trigger to officially panic. But I, I wasn't surprised they were taking calls. I was surprised to see the reports out there that they were aggressively shopping Fletcher Cox. 
Yeah, wow, interesting stuff. So the story ends, Fletcher will be an eagle for life, perhaps, or at least until the next offseason. You know, maybe it'll be maybe it'll be a good thing for Fletcher to get shaken up a little bit where he was dangled out there a little bit. Because I think he wants to stay here. He's got a life here. I, I, I'm pretty sure his girlfriend's from, you know, from here. So I think he wants to stay in this area to at least you know play out the rest of his career uh, or <laughs> until the next contract comes. But I, I don't think he wants to move. I don't think he wants to leave. I think he wants to stay here. He's won a Super Bowl. He he, he loves it here. Uh, I just think he doesn't necessarily love Jonathan Gannon's defense. But maybe this will be a moment where he feels – and believe me, I'm, I'm rooting for this. I'm not betting on it. Maybe it'll be a moment where he goes, all right, all right, they were going to trade me. I got to show that I really want to stay here. So that uh, maybe that's where they go. Maybe that's right. what he does. All right, good stuff from Mark Farzetta. Farzi, before I let you go, um, tell me – how you see the game playing out uh, on Sunday. Do we have a legitimate chance? Do the Eagles have a legitimate chance? Um, I think I, I think you think they do. Um, tell me why. Are the Eagles going to win, or could they win Sunday at the link against the Chargers? Could they? Sure, they could win. Why not? They could win. Uh, they're not. Um, but here's what I got. I think they definitely have a chance to win this game. If they do X, Y, and Z, if they stick to the run against a defense that cannot defend the run, even if they start putting eight guys in the box, you still have to run a, run against eight men in the box just once or twice just to make them think that you could do it so you can sell play action later in the game. But mm. bottom line is here's how I see it playing out. The Eagles need to not get caught up if the, if the L.A. Chargers score early and quickly. If, they, if the Chargers go up 14-0, in the first quarter, you can't just ignore the run. You have to stick within your own game plan. You have to try to force them into turnovers on defense. You have a whole rest of the game to figure it out. I think the Chargers are going to come out. I think they're going to get a couple of quick touchdowns. I think they, I think the Eagles. I think they will score two first quarter touchdowns, and the Eagles will be playing from behind. That'll make them hit the panic button and just go pass, 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 pass. That to me is how you lose this game. You win this game by trying to keep Justin Herbert off the field by running the football, eating up game clock, getting first downs, short throws close to the line of scrimmage. Devontae Smith has to catch the ball. Jalen Hurts has to be accurate with the ball. Keep them sucked in close to the line of scrimmage. Then you're able to throw a play action and get the big play downfield. That's what I'd like to see from Nick Sirianni. But I see the Chargers coming out, coming out of the gates hot, getting touchdowns early, and then the Eagles playing catch up the rest of the way. If the Eagles get the ball first, run the football. Run it down their throat as much as humanly possible. I would copy and paste the, the the game plan against the Lions and apply it here because both, as I said earlier, are terrible teams against the runs. Lions third, Chargers the worst in the NFL. So that's what I would do if I'm Nick Sirianni. But I see, I don't see this defense playing back-to-back -back solid games, and that's where I think the Chargers are going to have their success when their offense is on the field and this defense is on the field. That's where I see the Chargers really having their success. Yeah, John McMullen went so far last night on football 24-7 to say if the Eagles win the toss, do not defer, take the football. And then to your point, stick with the game plan. McMullen calls it, John McMullen calls it the guts of the game. <laughs> stick with your game plan, even if you're down, Farzi, as you said, by two touchdowns. But Sirianni's um, reaction is to vacate the game plan and start playing from behind right away. Yeah, he doesn't lead. Like if he dances, I think he lets the other. I think he lets his wife lead. Like I think like you can't do that. You got to stick with the game plan. You got to stick with what you plan going into it. 
And that's what I want to see ultimately against the Chargers. Like you, you did all this work for the whole week for, for what? Throw it out the window in the second quarter or if you go down a little bit in the early in the game. Like, don't do that. Try to lead. Try to stick with what your gut told you going into it. Stick with what your coaches told you. You, you always talk about how great Shane Steichen is as your offensive coordinator, Jim Bob Cooter as an offensive consultant. Like, you talk about all this great stuff these guys do, all these great minds that you have on offense. Use them. Use all the research. Use all the work that you did pre leading up to the game. Go out there and accomplish that goal. Go. You know what? Please go out there and win. Because as someone that grew up here, like, I, 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 Joe, you know how it is. You go out there and you root to be wrong. And that's what I'm going to be doing on Sunday against the Chargers, rooting to be awfully wrong that the Eagles can actually pull out this victory against uh, Los Angeles. All right. Great stuff from Mark Farzetti here on Birds 365 with Jody Mack uh, and Johnny Mack. Check it in on Football Wednesday. Mark Farzetta, again, catch the Farzy show tomorrow morning on YouTube. Follow Mark at, at Mark Farzetta. Farz, appreciate it, brother. Thank you much, man. Congressman Krause, thank you for having me on. <laughs> Good stuff from Mark Farzetta joining us here on Birds 365. Special thanks to Barrett Brooks uh, and also John McMullen uh, as we roll into our final commercial break uh, here on Birds 365. On the other side of the break, Derek Gunn and Rob Ellis taking us home on Birds 365. Back in a moment. <laughs> At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following month, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. 
At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Birds, please pick me five across the Jacob Media YouTube channel on a football Wednesday with Jody Mack and John McMullen. Joe Krause sitting in uh, for Jody Mack, who's heading down south to Florida. John McMullen is down in South Philadelphia at the NovaCare uh, Complex. One programming reminder, don't forget to get caught in the middle uh, today at 11 o'clock, 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Harry Mays, Barrett Brooks. Uh, and Aton Shander. Best for last, Derek Gunn and Rob Ellis. Uh, <laughs> jumping on, you'll see them on Sunday mornings, odds on, on CBS. We get the two together uh, here on Birds 365. Rob Ellis, welcome in, my friend. Nice to have you here. Uh, appreciate you jumping on on a Wednesday morning. Joe, I, I got to up my hat game, man. I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I came slacking today, man. Next time I'll be prepared. That is a killer right there. Gunner, I thought you were going to actually wear the one Kango that I presented to you, D-Gun. And I've only given away, I've only given away in my entire history of wearing Kango hats. And I think I shared this with you, Gunner. I've only given away three. You being the third person uh, to get a Kango hat, uh, I'll look for that day when you do, when you do rock that hat. Look, look, Joe. Um, I love Kango hats and the hat you gave me, you can't just wear anywhere. It has to be a special occasion. True. When I, when I step out with a hat like that on, um, it has to be in a special environment. Not to say that this show format is not a special. Wow. Environment. That's a little shot at us, Joe. This is, no, not, don't listen to Rob. Rob, you know, Man. Rob has been an antagonist of mine for 20 something years. <laughs> and you know what? I don't expect anything less from him, but Joe, you, Joe, you know I love to work hango. That hat will be worn. It will be worn. Uh, good stuff, guys. Appreciate it, Rob. Let's jump in. Uh, uh, we're going to cover or talk a little bit about that game on Sunday. But before, I want to take advantage of having you here and having Gunner here um, uh, to talk about what is eight games into where we are. You know, normally we'd say, okay, we're officially at the midpoint because of the 17th game. We're technically not quite there yet, but we've got a body of work to evaluate um, on this three and five football team. Pick it up from there. Where do you see or where do you think, Rob, that we are starting on and through? I would say we still are searching for an identity with this team, Joe. I, I, you know, I know last week what happened, and hey, good for them. We screamed and yelled for them to make adjustments, and they did make the adjustments we all yelled about run the ball, more aggressive on defense, all good across the board. But it's really difficult to gauge what that is when you're playing that level of competition. I'll believe it more when I see it this week against the real team in the Chargers. Now, granted, they're coming off a bad loss of their own. But if they stay committed to what we we just talked about, then I'll buy it more. But right now, I don't know what they are. Are they a team that runs the ball? Not particularly. Are they a team that passes it well? Not particularly. Are they a team that's good defensively? Not really. Um, They've done a better job cleaning up the penalties. They've done a better job taking the ball away of late. But 
I don't think they know what they are yet. And, and again, I'm not – look, you play who you play in the NFL, and they beat up on that team and never, ever let up. That props to the Eagles because if you look at it, the Lions had hung around a lot of teams during the season. But I'm not fully convinced until I see them put it together for a string of weeks rather than just one week. Gunner, uh, John McMullen said earlier this morning um, here on Birds 365 that if Aaron Rodgers – was on this football team, the Eagles would be seven and one and would be a Super Bowl contender right now. Agree? I I, I agree with the fact that they would have a winning record if they had an Aaron Rodgers. Um, after you look at what Aaron Rodgers did to Arizona with a bunch of practice squad players and, and backup, uh, and they went out there and won that game. But the reason I'm a little hesitant to say seven and one is because this Eagles defense doesn't play like that Green Bay defense. That Green Bay defense is constantly blitzing. Uh, they're stouter against the run. You know, they get turnovers. Uh, they force the opposition off the field. We've only seen small samples of this team capable of doing it. Last week, Jalen Hurts himself said, we're still developing our identity. Okay, and that's understandable considering the roller coaster that this team has ridden up to this point. And when I, when I look at what they did against Detroit, I, I expected them to beat Detroit not as convincingly as they did, but I look at that as a feel-good game. Feel good in terms of this, this organization finally getting a sigh of relief and getting that proverbial monkey off their back from the outside looking in. And a feel-good in terms of the fan base finally having something to cheer about. I would have hated had this team lost that game against Detroit after, after being on the road for two weeks and coming home to a chorus of boos when he came out of the tunnel for the opening kickoff against a team like the Chargers. But now that place is going to be rocking. The Chargers, as Rob alluded to, is a much more formidable opponent. Um, they're the worst in the league against the run. So, you know, if you don't run the ball this game, then that tells me you still don't know exactly what you're doing or who your personnel really is. Um, because Jordan Howard is that banger between the tackle. Utilize Jordan Howard and Boston Scott exactly like you did this past Sunday against Detroit and see what kind of measure of success that you're going to have this particular Sunday. Um, but I do agree with John. I think they'd have a winning record, but I don't know about seven and one. Yeah, just to pick up on that, Joe, I, I yeah. think obviously when you have somebody like Aaron Rodgers, I totally agree with Gunnar, they would have yeah. be above 500. But you watch the game. You watch the way Matt LaFleur coached that game. Yes, yes. The Packers were so shorthanded uh, Thursday night. Have we seen that kind of performance out of Nick Sirianni? Have we seen anything to buy into him being able to do that? That's why, they, look, the quarterback goes a long way, but you also have to have other pieces along the way as well. And I don't know if Nick Sirianni's quite at that level yet. You know, here's my one uh, argument for Jalen Hurts being or auditioning as to prove that he is the quarterback of this team for the future. The coaching staff is the linchpin between developing Jalen Hurts and that quarterback um, or developing who they take into draft next year. It doesn't really matter. The coach is responsible for the success of that quarterback, at least to a degree. And I'm not so sure that the offensive plan of Nick Sirianni eight games in has helped Jalen at all. Yeah, I, look, I think that's fair. And you, other than last week, you look at 
how pass heavy they've been and not just pass heavy, you know, whether it's RPOs, whatever the case may be, you're putting a lot of weight on, on essentially a rookie or a first year starter on his mm-hmm. shoulders. And I, and I, I don't think you served him well. Like that's why it's so difficult to know right now, even though we're through eight games, exactly what this is. Like, I don't think the coach has done him any favors. And when he's had opportunities, there are too many throws that are, that are missed. Frankly, if you had asked me right now, almost halfway through, you know, I'd probably be down on both, but I'm not giving up on either yet. It's too soon. I think at the end of the year, we're going to know. Um, and I think Jalen makes a lot of plays with his legs, but there are basic NFL throws that have to be made that he doesn't make right now. Doesn't mean he can't get better. Same for Sirianni. I, I haven't been particularly impressed with the, the, the plan going in, nor the adjustments made during the game on either case. You know, the thing that was telling to me was a couple of weeks ago when Nick Sirianni basically said that the offense has been streamlined to what Jalen is comfortable with, meaning he was at Oklahoma where he, he, he performed exclusively out of a shotgun. And that's what we've seen for the most part up, <clears throat> up until the last couple of games. And my point is, if you're an NFL head coach and you have this, this dictionary of plays, then why didn't you beat it in his head back in April and May and throughout training camp that you have to broaden your horizon? We're going to put you in a comfortable position, but not exclusively in a shotgun. Defensive coordinators and players are too smart at this level, you know, for you to continue doing the same thing over and over again and, and accepting uh, the ca- same kind of success you had against the Atlanta Falcons. You know, when, when you beat the Atlanta Falcons, the book was out on what you were going to do with Jalen. And as we saw, defenses began to force Jalen to do what they wanted him to do with this RPO. So you've got to flip the script now. Now, the last couple of games, we've seen Jalen go into the center more. He looked comfortable to me under center. I don't know. Am I, am I not seeing something here? I think you need to utilize him under center more to give a defense something a little bit more to think about. Utilize all of his athleticism. That one play uh, in Detroit when he had him in third and long and deep in their own territory, he stepped up and took off and picked up like 20, 30-something yards. Okay, that's, that's that athleticism, uh, athleticism showing. But, but like Rob said, when it comes to the passing game, whether you have to shorten it up or, reach, or re-diagram some of your routes so his throws are a little bit more accurate, I think at this stage we can, we can agree that he doesn't have the strongest arm. He doesn't have a weak arm, but he doesn't have a laser for an arm either. I think he's great in the intermediate game. Fine. Keep going to that. And then set up your one or two shots to Quez Watkins or, you know, Devonta Smith somewhere in the game. But to try to go deep early and just have him keep throwing the deep intermediate routes, that's not him. The fact that he misses guys wide open in the flats, why are you not studying this and finding to whittle down exactly what is causing the problem with the overthrows, him throwing behind receivers? Those are the things you need to be improving to make his overall game better. Yeah, and I'll go back to something I've been on, Joe and Derek, from before the season started. Where is the, other than maybe Jeff Stoutland, who's an offensive line coach, where is that guy that Sirianni or Steichen or Gannon, who are all very young guys, where is that sage former head coach that they can yeah. lean on? And, yeah. and to Derek's point, if you're seeing these patterns that maybe aren't working offensively, hey, man, what? Look, I know in you know in, in 97 you had so-and-so. What, what were you guys able to do to unlock that? I don't feel like there's that resource there for these guys. And I think it was a big mistake that the organization made. For an organization that really handpicked who Doug Peterson had as, a, as, as assistant coaches, it yeah. feels like they let Sirianni do his thing, yeah. and they went way too young. They skewed way too young as far as that went. 
You know, it's funny, Rob, you should say that because uh, Sirianni said it last week, you know, when he needs to, he can call Frank Reich. He can call this other coach. It's the one thing to be able to call them. It's another thing to have somebody side by side with you every day, Monday through Sunday, in terms of helping you see things that you don't visualize. A phone call, okay, you spend a half hour on the phone with a guy, so what? But you need, you're a Rob Reich, you need that veteran presence or a multitude of veteran presence in terms of your coaching staff to help you visualize certain concepts that you might be overlooking. Yeah, Derek, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, that is all like, if you're calling Frank, Reich, First of all, I don't love that anyway. I mean, the, right, the guy's right. you know, you're going against them. Right. But if you're doing that, it's all sort of hypothetical. Yes. You need someone who's got boots on the ground and eyes on this at every single practice to know, yeah, he really struggles here. Frank, Reich. I mean, he watches film on him and he can maybe talk to him to a certain extent, right. but if he's not game planning for him, He's not going to give you that kind of insight. He's no, going to give you hypotheticals. No. He's got his own problems to worry about in right. Indianapolis. And, and boy, I, does he ever. He Does I, he ever have his own problems? I, I think Indianapolis is the best losing team in the NFL. This yep. team keeps finding ways to lose more games. They have the talent. They just haven't figured a way to get over the hump. They should yep. be tied for first place with uh, Tennessee in the AFC South. But yet yep. they keep shooting themselves in the foot. So he's got enough problems of his own trying to keep the pressure from the outside, the media and the fan base off his back, more so than trying to babysit his protege. It was a great article that John McMullen put out on Eagles Report, uh, which I encourage everybody to read on Philly Mag. Evolution of Nick Sirianni took off with the Chargers. Um, really good, interesting article. Shane Steichen's. Uh, reference to being, of course, the offensive coordinator uh, with the uh, Chargers and uh, the offensive coordinator for um, um, for Herbert La uh, Herbert last year in in his rookie year, which was uh, a great year. Is Shane Steichen having any sort of influence on this offense? Do you think? Perhaps the answer is yes. We just don't see it as a fan base. I'm not. Yeah, it's hard to tell, Joe. I mean, because Sirianni calls the plays. We really don't know what's going on. You know, it's very difficult to get a gauge exactly what kind of influence he's having here. In my estimation, for simply for that reason, I mean, we don't even bring him up. Usually the offensive coordinator is the bane of a lot of Eagles fans' existence in this town. However, because it feels – I mean, Sirianni at one point, Freudian slip, even mm -hmm. called himself the offensive coordinator a couple weeks ago. So – I think his role is really limited. It's not what we've seen in years past from offensive coordinators. We see him patrolling up and down the sideline with a headset on. We, we see him talking to somebody. So I'm, I'm imagining that the play call goes from Sirianni to Shane to the quarterback. I would imagine if you brought this guy in, especially if you're a rookie head coach, that you brought somebody in not only mm -hmm. that you're familiar with, but somebody that you can feed off of uh, and also give you some different perspectives on how to attack things. But Rob's right. We don't know exactly what's what. You know, Sirianni tripped himself up and said he's the, o the OC. Okay, but what involvement does Shane have in preparing a game plan? What involvement does Shane have in terms of game day situations? Is he just the mouth, the mouthpiece that tra uh, transmit what you tell him? Or do, do you go back and forth in certain situations and discuss it in a short amount of time? Okay, I hear what you want to do, but this, what, this is what I think better. Those are things we really don't know. 
Derek Gunn, Rob Ellis joining me here on Birds 365 on a football Wednesday. Team goes back to work uh, today. They'll install uh, the game plan. Rob, uh, let me get your thoughts, and then, Gunnar, I'll ask you to weigh in as well uh, on this scenario. There's this theory or this question, do the Eagles have enough weapons? So to put it in perspective, if Dak Prescott was the quarterback on this football team utilizing these weapons, would it be the same Dak Prescott that's playing at such a high level with the Cowboys right now? He's got weapons in Dallas, there's no doubt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think their weapons are far superior to the Eagles' weapons, first off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it really, I mean, you look at a two-headed running back attack with Pollard and Zeke, you're, you're mm-hmm. talking about C.D. Lamb and Cooper, and, and they've gotten actually good production out of their tight ends, which is a credit to Dak and the offense. Um, I think the Eagles have enough weapons that they could be better than three and five. That's for sure. I don't think they've utilized those weapons. I think what you're going to really see here is – Dallas Goddard start to blossom more because the shadow of Ertz is gone. Uh, if they stay committed to the run, which they should this week because the, the L.A. Chargers are awful against the run, you could see them continue to establish the run. And they don't have a bad little triumvirate there, especially when Sanders comes back. It's not bad with Scott and you throw Howard in there, actually four guys, if you want to throw Gainwell in there. I, I'm a big fan of Devontae Smith. I know he's had some drops here. I think he'll get that turned around. They need to utilize Quez Watkins more. Absolutely. This is a team that has some weapons. Uh, I don't think they're bereft of them, but I don't think they're up there with, with some of the big boys in the NFL either. And a lot of it has to do, frankly, Joe, with the quarterback. A quarterback can make up for a lot of shortcomings from a weapon standpoint, and, and I don't think that Jalen is there yet. When you look at Dak's body of work with C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper, and it goes deeper than that, Cedric Wilson, Michael Gallup, when he's healthy, is – they have a consistent vertical game they can go to because they have a body of work with each other. These are guys that are still getting used to each other. Um, you, you, you have a, a quarterback who had four games of experience in a different system. And of course they had to learn this system. Then they brought in a new wide receiver. He's still getting comfortable with this tight end Dallas Goddard. They're still trying to figure out what is the best way to utilize a Quez Watkins Jalen Rager, I think Jalen Rager is what he is. I, I think he's going to be limited in terms of how, how much input he gives this offense. And I think we saw a sample of how he's best utilized. Use him on the jet sweeps. Get yeah. the ball in his hands. He has the speed to turn the corner. Get the ball in his hands any way you can. I don't think he's going to be that definitive pass catcher we all thought he was going to be when you drafted him in the first round. They have enough young talent to be a little bit more efficient than what they have been up to this point. And I understand repetitions will, will cure a lot of that. And now that we're eight games into this, I want to see this thing turn the corner. Now, against this particular opponent coming up this Sunday, because of the inconsistency of this Eagles defense, I expect this game to be a shootout. You know, you're talking about, about a kid, Justin Herbert, who is a bona fide elite-in-the-making NFL quarterback. And he's got elite pass catchers in Keenan Allen and, and you know and, and, and Mike Williams. So he has some elite Catchers, they have a good running game with that Chargers team. Uh, the defensive front is okay, but it's susceptible against the run. The back end of their defense is pretty good in terms of defending the pass. So how do you how do you defuse that? Run the ball more than you pass the ball in this particular game. But like we've been talking about, 
I don't know if Sirianni's going to commit to the run. I don't know if he, he falls behind by a touchdown or two touchdowns if he doesn't abandon the run altogether and starts throwing the football 30, 40 times, which would play right into the Chargers' hands. Or if it's not popping early, Derek. That's the yeah. other thing. You know, yeah. the first drive or two, if he's not getting much, does he bail on it? Yes. That's why, Joe, I need to see another week of this where I believe it that he's got to – I'm not going to say they're going to be fully committed. You're not going to see the kind of imbalance that you saw last week with the running game, but right. a little bit more where it's not Jalen dropping back constantly. I'll right. buy it if I see it two straight weeks. Not yet. If he bails, to use your <clears throat> reference, Rob, the Eagles go down by two touchdowns. And, and they're down 14 nothing in this football game, in the guts of the game. You know, John McMullen always calls it the guts of the game. Uh, when that happens, if Sirianni bails on his game plan of running the football, assuming that's his game plan, um, you would have to assume that to be correct. If that happens, is it lights out at that point in terms of this football game? They don't, yeah, have I, the, they don't have the ability to. They don't have the ability to get into a shootout. Well, yeah. First off, yeah, to, to try and get into a track meet with Herbert and and the guys that Derek just referenced, you're in big trouble to begin with. Uh, secondly, then you start allowing Bosa and those guys to tee off. Yeah. The ends are where you get yourself in trouble, not the middle. That's why you can run on. Them. That's why they're thirty second against the run. Take advantage of the inside, not the outside, because if those guys are teeing off. You're in big, big trouble. And you yep. don't want to test Erwin James too many times. So, no. to me, no. this thing is one through a running attack, through utilizing the tight end, and, and and more of a short game. You got you got to be patient, Joe. Like, if, if they're down 14 nothing, and it's if it's still the second quarter, don't give up on the run. You know, look, it's a different story if you're down two touchdowns and there's six minutes left in the fourth quarter. But you can't give up on it too early. And I fear – that Nick's tendency, and I think maybe some of the influence of the front office, is such to run that he would bail on it pretty quickly, and I hope that's not the case. See, Joe, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers, and uh, let me equate it to this. Okay, this team doesn't have an Aaron Rodgers, but they do have the ability to do what Green Bay's offense did. Nobody thought Green Bay could go in there and win a shootout against the Arizona Cardinals. So what did they do? They flipped the script. They controlled the clock and kept Kyler Murray and all those offensive weapons off the field. Green Bay had the ball for 37 minutes uh, to, to Arizona's 22-plus. That was a big difference in the game. You have the ability with the personnel that you have in place right now to do some of the same things. If that running game is established, you're controlling the clock. Justin Herbert and those offensive weapons are not on the football field. If you can get a couple of sevens instead of going down the field and settling for threes, that puts you in the driver's seat instead of the back seat. You you make the Chargers play your game instead of you playing their game because I don't think this team can beat the Chargers playing their game. Uh, will Jonathan Gannon have the same game plan this week? Because if he sits back yeah, yeah. waiting for that mistake – it might be lights out before we get to the end of the first quarter, right? Yeah. Here's what I fear on that, yeah, Joe. Yeah. What I fear is he's going to be so afraid of Mike Williams and Keenan Absolutely, Allen absolutely. That he's going to go back into that 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 soft shell that he they were in most of the year. They weren't afraid of the of the. Let's face it. I mean, Detroit doesn't have any threats on the outside, so yeah. he could be aggressive there. My fear. I would prefer he again. There's a happy medium somewhere, mm -hmm. man. It, it, he doesn't get back to the early season because I I think then Justin Herbert will be can, 
content with, hey, I'll just bleed you to death like Brady did, like a lot of the other quarterbacks yeah. have done this year. Derek Carr, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Good stuff from Rob Ellis and Derek Gunn here on Birds 365. You'll catch them live on Sunday morning. Odds on on CBS Sunday morning at 8.30. Rob Ellis uh, and Derek Gunn, great way to start your uh, football Sunday. Guys, appreciate you jumping on, man. Good stuff. Uh, good three-pack to finish up Birds 365. Thanks for having me, Joe. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, Joe. Don't, Joe, don't worry. We, we, we will have the can go on. And I'll send you a picture when I'm wearing it. Yes. Good stuff. Love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, Derek Gunn uh, and Rob Ellis here on uh, Birds 365. We'll take our final break uh, on Birds 365, and then I'll come back uh, and wrap things up. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500, or visit us online at messalaw.com. Metson Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. John Doherty, business manager of Local 98, says it this way. The best way not to forget where you come from is to never leave. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. I'm back here live on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Thanks to everybody for tuning in to this edition of Birds 365 with Joe Mack and John Mullen. Special thanks to Barrett Brooks 
uh, for checking in, Mark Farzetta, and then wrapping it up with Derek Gunn and Rob Ellis. Don't forget, coming up at 11 a.m. today, get caught in the middle with Aton Shander, Barrett Brooks, and Harry Mays. And then the hottest show on YouTube, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. every Monday through Friday. It's the National Football Show with Dan Cilio. You want to go inside the numbers. You want to go inside the locker room. Tune in to the National Football Show with Dan Cilio. Don't forget the live post-game show with Derek Gunn, Mark Farzetta, Devin Caney, and John McMullen coming up on Sunday following that Eagles victory over the Chargers. That's going to do it for this edition of Birds 365. I thank everybody for uh, tuning in to the uh, Jacob Media YouTube channel. On behalf half of our uh, executive producer, Xander Kraus, I'm Joe Kraus. See you next time, everybody. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now for April 1st. Lease the 2024 RX 350 Premium All-Wheel Drive for $5.28 a month for 36 months with $49.99 to its signing. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer in the Lexus Eastern area in its April 1st, 2024.